Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. As Hans-Georg Hoprich continues our sermon series through the book of Acts, today we will learn more about discipleship. What is discipleship and what models of discipleship do we find in the Bible? How did and does the church grow because of genuine discipleship and what does God expect from you in this matter? Join us and Hans-Georg now on this sermon titled Discipleship on Display. What a great privilege following the good shepherd as he prepares our lives, as he strengthens and encourages us. So today we'd like to um, pick up that um, word, um, discipleship, and we'd like to uh, display discipleship in um in the Bible, I mean, that's a pretty important subject in the Bible, isn't it? I mean, uh, uh, we see that one of the first things the Lord Jesus did, he called disciples to follow him and to, to be with him. And um, that's exactly uh, what the Bible tells us to do as well. Um, the, whatever the Lord Jesus did, we also are asked to do, we are also, uh, that so that we can join um, in his fellowship. Following him um, is um, being a disciple, uh, following him is uh, bringing others in that fellowship of the Lord Jesus. Um, I think none of us, as we are Christians, um, we are unemployed. Um, God asks us to join in in this beautiful work so that others follow as well, that are also disciples of the Lord Jesus. Now, as we look into uh, the book of Acts, we see that clearly Wherever his disciples went, they also called others to join in, to be disciplined under the grace of God. It's not the law, but the grace of, of God. And um, today we look uh, into Acts uh, 18, the verses 18 to 28, just these couple of verses the book of Acts is like a symphonic masterpiece, and uh, as I prepared myself yesterday, it's, just, it's so good to sit down and really ponder on the Word of God. I'm always excited, so thank you, dear brothers and sisters, that you give me the privilege and really sit down and, and um, think about the Word of God. And as I pondered yesterday, I thought, you know, of uh, Joseph Haydn, who um, really uh, did a lot of uh, work in Eisenstadt, where we live, about 60 kilometers south of, of Vienna. And uh, one of his masterpieces was uh, the National Anthem of Germany. It was composed by Joseph Haydn, a masterpiece. 
That is um, uh, the national anthem of Germany. Isn't that great? You know, an Austrian composing the uh, national anthem of Germany. I'm so proud to live in the city where um, he lived most in his life. Um, uh, that is Eisenstadt. And the book of Acts is a bigger one. You know, I don't want to downgrade this great composer um, of Joseph Haydn. Never, I would never dare to do that. Um, but when you look into God's Word, it's an incredible masterpiece, a symphonic masterpiece that only God can write through His people. With the opening notes, the major theme, evangelism soars through Jesus' words right at the beginning of Acts 1, 8. You shall be my witness. Where? In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And uh, if you would like to ask me about some re of the remotest path in the world, we've been there with Stone Age people. So we know what it means. It all started um, uh, when I be, uh, turned uh, about 17 or so, when the Lord called me and forgave me. What a privilege, my dear fellow brothers and sisters, to be forgiven. This is the freedom he gives us. We are forgiven. And thus, we can follow the Lord Jesus through daily forgiveness. We bow before him because he died on the cross so that we are forgiven. And that sets us free. Not only here in, in Vienna, in the area where we live, but also beyond, within uh, our uh, great country of Austria, to present people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I'm excited about that. It's such a, a privilege, you know. We don't come in our own name, but we come in the name of Almighty Jesus. And, um, and then go from um, what... You know, the places that are around us, Vienna to Austria to the ends of the world. We always need, and I'm so glad, uh, David, that you mentioned, um, you know, the Islamic world this morning. It's on our doorstep. It's not too far, you know. There's no need to go uh, any further. It's here in, in Vienna. It's here where, where, wherever we live, we meet people that are in bondage, that need to, uh, that need the Lord Jesus in their lives, the remotest parts. Be my witness. Well, uh, God has called us to be His witness. We witness whatever the Lord has done in our lives. We don't witness something else. There is nothing else we can witness to. Be my witness. That's what the Lord says. The, this melody steadily builds at first 
through a few believers in Jerusalem who fill the city with the music of the gospel. And we read about it. And uh, when Dr. Luke wrote uh, the book of Acts, I think he made some kind of plan. He didn't just sit down you know, out of his mind, but he made a plan. And so we can see that chapter 1 to 7 is my witness in Jerusalem. And he emphasizes it in Jerusalem. The second movement spotlights the specific musicians like Philip, like um, Peter, Saul, Barnabas, and so on as they carry the refrain throughout Judea and Samaria. So they go beyond Jerusalem, and we should never forget to go beyond, to look beyond, because that's a view that uh, God gives us. And then finally, um, the third movement, it swells up to the uh, crescendo as Saul now called Paul trumpets the gospel throughout the world from Jerusalem to Rome, um, from Jerusalem to Irian Jaya as a title of a great mission book is called To the Ends of the World. And as with any great uh, music, musical masterpiece, the major theme is supported by sub-themes, especially when we look at music and at Haydn, you know, there are sub-themes. They follow the main theme and they are developed in a masterpiece of music. Um, and as we come to Acts 18 and we follow this um, not uh, in uh, two weeks, in, in next week. Well, I'm privileged next week to talk on mums um, because it's uh, mum's day next week and uh, mother's day. Uh, but the week after or two weeks after that, we uh, will talk uh, again probably about Acts 18 or 19. As we come to Acts 18, we detect these counter melodies if we listen closely from a few back row musicians comes the sweet and subtle strain of evangelist um, counterpo counterpoint that is discipleship and discipleship is explained in order to follow discipleship's melody line, we must first acquaint ourselves with, with its structure because this is a big house in, in spiritual realms. So let us consider Paul's word on discipleship to his dear young friend Timothy. And in 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 2, it is um, Paul who urges um, Timothy to exactly do that. And I urge you, my brothers and sisters, to do exactly what the Bible tells us. Here Paul says, you, therefore, and he's 
talking to each one of us. Not to uh, the big um, guys up somewhere, but to each and every one of us. Um, you therefore, my son, be strong, my uh, uh, daughter as well, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, and the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witness, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That is scripturally statement. It's stated here what uh, we are to be engaged in. Paul dis discipled his spiritual son Timothy to, by training him to have the kind of character necessary to carry out Christian life rather than merely soaking in. You know, so many people are just soaking. They're just pulling it in. They always want to have. Just I. The main thing is I, me, and... Um, but that's not what the Bible tells us. Yes, it is fellowship as we take. But as we take, we are enriched. God pours out His grace upon us. And as we follow Him and His footsteps, we are also urged. God is not, you know, hammering us, but He urges us to also give out because it's too much that He's given to us. We cannot possibly just take it for ourselves, but we hand things to others. And that's exactly what Paul tells young Timothy. Don't be just concerned about yourself, but pour it out. Give it to others. Rather than merely soaking up all of Paul's teaching, though, Timothy was to train faithful men who in turn would train others. Uh, now, what things would Paul have shared with Timothy to entrust to others? Probably such treasures as the objectivity truths of Scripture, the well-defined doctrines of the faith and the character development principle of a balanced life. These are not meant to stay locked in a world, but to be invested. You see, when you talk, I'm not a businessman, but if you want to pick up a business, some people, they take every money out of business, they earn a little bit of money and take it and misuse it for themselves. You know what happens? There will be a breakdown, a completely breakdown. Business, you know, I'm not talking about the gospel business, but just the practical business in our lives. So if we do not invest in the business, the business 
will have a breakdown. We can only take out if we invest. And that's even more so with the investment of the gospel. Now, as we look in history, uh, we can see in the Bible how it is historically illustrated. Actually, discipleship can be traced further back to Jesus' ministry. He determined that his closest followers would also reproduce his teaching in others. Uh, so in Mark 3, 13 to 15, we read, And he went up to the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. So that's the first step. If we do not come to him, we cannot follow him. So that is in the very center of the gospel, that we bow our knees. And tell the Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need to get your forgiveness. There is nothing else that is more worthy than his forgiveness. And that is the start. You cannot do without that start. That is the very center of the gospel. It's only those that have bowed their knees beforehand that they are enabled to follow him. So it would be a contradiction in terms to bow and not follow. You cannot do that. Because we are called to follow him because we are set free. It's the Lord that has set us free to follow him, to be his disciples. And that's what marks 3, 13 to 15 says, and he appointed 12 that might be with him. Very close relationship. And it's only through that relationship. My dear brothers and sisters, that's the most important, that's precious. That's the most important thing in our lives to be with the Lord Jesus. It's a very center. It's from there that we approach people um, in this world. Might be with them and he might send them out. Here you see, this is the word that is used to do the mission. Mission means to be sent out, to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. Praise the Lord. That is what we are called uh, to do. Uh, bringing these men close to him, Jesus poured out his life into them so that when he was gone, they would be able to preach to others uh, uh, with power and authority. I think I look back um, uh, when um, a guy called Corey, who had, um, I think I might have uh, told you the story, had um, 13 wives alongside him, you know, uh, and uh, the last one he had, he, she was a Christian, but he uh, just wanted to get loose of her, I wanted to get another one, 
um, sleep around and, and, and so on. So he knocked her out and she came one night and, um, you know, just um, her nose broken, eyes just shut uh, up because and, and she couldn't see any longer. And she made some kind of noise like a cat. And we went down, We you know, our house was built on, on stilts. And um, we were sleeping up there, and it was kind of three o'clock at night, and that's not the time when you get up. But we went down, and we saw Mary beaten up. And um, But through that experience, Mary didn't lose line with Corey. And to make the big story short, Corey, because of her testimony, she went back to him and... Uh, and uh, he couldn't believe his eyes. Uh, and, uh, well, um, he became a Christian. And Corey, when we were in Papua New Guinea in, in 2018, he became the first bishop of, I think, about 600 churches in Papua New Guinea. Can you see? What follows through followers who follow him and... Uh, I, I'm overjoyed that in these first moments of him becoming a, a Christian, we did discipleship courses. We just sat down every Thursday. I mean, it was um, a joy to do that, uh, but it was also hard work, you know, to do discipleship. And then he was the first missionary that was sent out from the South Sea Evangelical Church of um, Papua New Guinea, um, and then later he became the bishop, uh, and so on. And uh, we rejoice in what the Lord can do, and you as well. It's not just the privilege of myself, but all of those that follow him. Go therefore, in Matthew eight nineteen, it says, Go f therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that was precisely what Paul was doing with Timothy and with a certain husband and wife named Achilla and Priscilla who lived in Corinth. They modeled discipleship. We do not usually think of Paul as a personal discipler. We think of him as a, a great uh, theologian a great um, thinker, more likely we picture him exploring new frontiers for Christ, preaching a, to, a, to a great crowd and then moving on. Let us listen to it as we examine his relationship with Aquila and Priscilla, Paul in Corinth. Paul arrived in Corinth alone and financially strapped. But with a little searching, as um, Acts 18, 2-3 states, he found a certain Jew named Aquila and native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they were working as they were by trade tent makers. Can you see the kind of equal part? 
Paul as a tent maker and them tent makers. So they joined forces. First, his first step in disciple this couple was to associate with them closely. You know, that's what he did because hey, we're in the same trade. And isn't it a privilege to get together? You as a doctor, uh, others we, um, you know, I don't know the sort of trades you are working in as a teacher or wherever you are, even please, my sisters, even as a housewife. Can you imagine? You're not just called to, I mean, that's your major, it's no question, to cook for your family, but also to reach out to others. Please, I plead with you. It's a great privilege to be a housewife, isn't it? I mean, you can ask Margaret, my dear wife. Um, and, but here you see, he in, initiated a friendship, worked with them to make tents and even lived with them. You know, when Corey, um, uh, you know, the guy with, uh, that became the bishop, you know what he said in 2018 when we visited them in, in uh, Papua New Guinea? He said, you, you've been such a strange guy. And he pointed fingers to me and said, you just sat down, you know, like that, somewhere in, in, in the lawn, in front of the house. And all the neighbors, they looked at you and they said, hey, what a strange guy he is. A white guy, you know, sitting down with you on, on the lawn. Um, you, you should have given him a, a chair, you know, to sit down, but he was just sitting there. And so it was kind of funny. I couldn't remember what I did then, but, you know, it spoke to his life, you know. He's never seen like, something quite like that. So you see how you experience God's provision for others? You sit down, you relate to them, even in your failures. You know, in your failures, you get touchable for people. You, you can touch them in, in the failures you are in, and that's too important. And, and that's something, it, it has connected with discipleship. You know, you, you are with them, just like Jesus. They saw him weeping, you know, at the dead body. They saw who he was. Um, tent makers. Whether standing behind a pulpit or lounging by a warm fire, Paul spoke about Christ. His teaching was not cloaked in rhetoric. It was clothed in real life. And they eagerly embraced him. You're most welcome. You know, this is what people are longing for. To associate with them. To stand with them. To cry with them. And then they're open. Because they see you're just as human as they are. And they get interested in the gospel. It was clothed in real life. And they eagerly embraced him. Paul's final discipling step was multiply himself through them. And it is implied in his actions when it, 
was time to leave Corinth in Acts 18, um, verses 18 to 21. It says, we, he took leave of the brethren, put out the sea for Syria, and with him were Priscilla and Aquila. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews, and when he asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent by but taking leave of them and saying, and that's very interesting what he said. He said, you know, well, I'm, I'm the most important guy here. You know, you've got to trust in me, what I'm uh, saying and doing. No, that's not what he said. You know, he didn't de- make people dependent on him. Not at all. Not at all. He wasn't a great master. That's what we expect, you know. We, we need big names, you know. No, um, that's not what Paul did at all. At all. What he did, he said, I will return to you again if God wills. He said, sail from Ephesus. And he left them there. You know, they can do the job, and um, I'm overjoyed as we gave this report at the DMG headquarters. That's exactly what we said. Oftentimes, wherever we went, we had people that picked up the ministry we did, and they brought it even further. They accelerated. You see? Um, in Papua New Guinea, just as when we came here in, in Austria, it's a testimony of us. If you look at Hilfe, uh, die ankommt, you know, that's exactly what happened. They accelerate. We never thought really, and, and, uh, and that's exactly what I said while in Papua New Guinea. I said to, to our brothers and sisters there, I need to bow and repent in sackcloth and ashes. Because I've never, ever, um, in my mind, I thought of things will accelerate like that. Never. That wasn't in my mind. But God intervened. You know, it's God that helps in all our weaknesses. After taking Aquila and Priscilla with him to Ephesus, Paul decided to end his second missionary journey by letting the minister there while he went home to Antioch by way of Caesarea and Jerusalem, as we read in, in verse 22 and 23, the Ephesians had wanted Paul to stay. Of course, they wanted to have the big name. It's so natural. That's exactly what so often we want to have the big name stay. How in the world can they move off? You know what he said? You have Aquila and Priscilla. They can do just as good a job as I could. It's humiliating. But that's the gospel. The gospel entrusts the church into the hands of the good shepherd. It's not the big name. Never, never, ever. The Lord Jesus has left us and he entrusted his work to the power of the Holy Spirit. He had 
multiplied, Paul has had multiplied his effectiveness in pouring his life into his, in this couple, um, who could then carry on the work without him. But the discipleship sub-theme in this passage does not conclude here. Now, a few player picks up, a new player picks up the refrain on the next page of the score. There is the ministry in Ephesus and the end of the second journey. You see that on uh, the map that is uh, displayed uh, on my back. We see then Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. Aquila and Priscilla were busy establishing a new ministry and um, a certain Jew named Apollos, we read in Acts 18, 24 to 26, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, I like that, came to Ephesus and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent, in the spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out, what? Boldly in the synagogue. This young man impressed immediately Aquila and Priscilla. He was from Alexandria, a university town with a great library and a worldwide reputation for learning. He was eloquent. The Greek word that is used here is logios, not logos, logios. This can mean either a man of words, you know, many words, bounding all the time, talking, talkative, and so on, or uh, wordy, verbose, or a man of ideas visionary man, since Logos was used either for reason or speech. In any case, this guy, he must have had, he must have been a, um, a gifted speaker and a, and a deep thinker. In addition, he was well versed in the Old Testament scriptures as well as some of the teaching about Christ. Most significantly, he had a heart on fire. Wow, for fervent in spirit, that's what it says, literally means boiling over in his spirit. That is full of enthusiasm. Wow, I like that. You know, he couldn't stop talking of what was important in his life. No, he was um, fully acquainted he was a wise man. Uh, yes, he was limited, but yet he was boiling over, you know. I don't know whether you like boiling over people, you know, people that boil over. I don't know. I mean, some people, they do more than they should, but he was boiling over. That is the expression that is used here. So Aquila and Priscilla listened to him closely, screening all he said through the doctrinal grid Paul had given them. They nodded their heads as Apollos spoke of Jesus, his messiahship, his deity and his teaching. But then the eloquent Alexandrian, he really stopped. 
He was acquainted only with the baptism of John. He did not understand fully the gospel of grace completed with the Lord Jesus, crucifixion and resurrection. Neither did he know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The Spirit's powerful presence in the believer's life was foreign. He did not know about this, about this concept. It was foreign to him. As accurate as his teaching was about Christ, it was still incomplete and needed attention. Apollos needed to be discipled. So without embarrassing him, he was very wise. Aquila and Priscilla tactfully, you know, they went alongside. They did not confront him, you know. You're a false teacher, you know. Get out here. That's not what they said. Not at all. But they went alongside them. You know, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does with us. Maybe even this morning, he goes alongside the Parakletos, you know, the, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit going alongside us. And that's exactly what we need to do with people. And um, they, Aquila and Priscilla tactfully reached out to teach this diamond in the rough Christian leader. And uh, in Acts uh, 18.26, it says they took him aside and explained to him patiently and painstaking to him the way God more, the way of God more accurately. You know, they, they were patient with him because they could see, you know, what is in the future. Nobody else could see, but they could see clearly. Once he grasped the complete truth, they, there was no holding him back. He wanted to go across, that's what Acts 18.27 says, across to Achaia and preach there also. He had his own goals and style of ministry, and rather than squelching him, Achilla and Priscilla, along with the rest of the church in Acts 18.27, it encouraged him. What a great ministry to encourage people, isn't it? It's so precious, you know, because there are too many that stop, you know, you can't do that. You're not able. You don't have the gifts for it. You don't, you need the big names. They alone, they can do it. No, not at all. Even though Apollos was um, limited, they encouraged him. Can you imagine? That's exactly where the church um, puts the leg in and, you know, encourages people, you know, go forth. And when I look back in my life, there was a guy, we visited him, he's, all, uh, he's 85 now, and he encouraged me to do exactly that. He took me along in a house fellowship, just looking. The next step, you know, after several times, he came along, well, give your, may, may I ask you to give your testimony? He didn't push me. May I ask you to give a testimony later on? Uh, he said, well, you've read the Bible. Well, what did you read in the Bible? Can you share that with this house fellowship? 
And that's how he built up. You know, he saw more than I could ever see, you know. <laughs> and if I look back, you know, if I would have known the kind of tactic he followed, I think I would have gone with him. But that's exactly what he did. He encouraged. He was an encourager. And that's exactly what we see here. Uh, and in all positive discipling relationship, there is a time to let go. And that's what my friend did. Well, at, le at last he said, today I'm staying at home, but you go. I entrust you, and I'm trusting you. Um, and that's all about disciple, discipling uh, is training. But it is also releasing the person so that the discipled one can train others. That is why Apollo set out to do when he set sail for Asia, uh, for Achaia, sorry. So now we see Apollos in Achaia. You see, it, it follows. It's a, a natural kind of thing. If we obey the word of God, we cannot stop. Well, I've achieved it. That's it now. You know, I can sit back. I got a big name and now I, I sit down and just, um, You know, look around to others doing the work. That's not the Bible. That is a big lie. Did you know that the Word of God doesn't talk about pensioners? Never. I, I don't know. Um, at least I haven't read. Maybe you can tell me afterwards. That when Paul sat in the prison, he said, oh, well, I'm a pensioner now. I sit down and I enjoy being a prisoner. No, never hear that. He just went on. So in Acts 27, in Acts, sorry, 1827, it says, when he had arrived, he helped greatly those who had believed through grace. For the, he powerfully refuted the Jew, Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Months earlier, Paul and had instructed uh, Aquila and Priscilla, then they passed their learning to Apollos. Now he voiced the same message. To those back in Achaia where Paul had started, through the discipleship process, the gospel had come full circle and more were learning about Christ Jesus. All that demonstrates the truth that we started with in 2 Timothy 2.1 and the instructions which you have heard from me transmit and entrust Men we, who will competent and qualify to teach others. And you see the, uh, the model. Um, it's me. It's you. If you can bring that um, little picture in. Um, it's me, you, and reliable, faithful men and others. It started with Paul. It went to Silas, went to Timothy, went to uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and they also multiplied. Can you see that? Is that kind of clear? Um, that's very important. That's why the church is here. This is why we are his people. You know, it's there to multiply. 
It's not a dead end it's in itself to sit in a pew and, and wait until others do the work. No, that's exactly a multiplication process. Reliable and faithful men and they, it's the Corinthians, it's Apollos, it's the Ephesians. They um, teach our, others in Achaia, others and many more. That's exactly what they did. They got instructions. They heard it, and they transmitted it. They entrusted it to teach others. And this chart is parallel between Paul's command in 2 Timothy 2.2 and how he himself lived it first. Of course, if you've never seen it happening with your own eyes, it's pretty hard. But that's exactly what all those precious People with the Apostle Paul saw, you know, they, he had a pretty good example what he did and through his examples, the others just followed that example. That's, but it's, I think it's pretty important that because that's exactly what I experienced in my own life. I saw others following Christ patiently and happily. And that's so encouraging. It's a privilege to see that happening. So um, this is discipleship applied. And in this passage, Luke used use supporting players instead of first string instrumentalists to illustrate some prominent principles in finishing, let me say first, the best relay of truth is discipleship. The best relay. In a discipling relationship, we can know one another inside out because you have a relationship. You see the strength and the weaknesses, and they always go together. You cannot hide them, and it's no necessity to hide your weaknesses. Because then you see the strength of the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus. You see it happening because you I'm weak. But he is strong. That's what little children sing anyway until today. I'm weak and he is strong. <laughs> That's uh, what matters. Uh, instead of discipling a kind of perfect Christian standard, no one can reach. Discipleship keeps the truth at eye level. Make it understandable and accessible. Can you see how important that is that I have a close relationship to those that I disciple? Secondly, the best relay of truth is discipleship. Secondly, the best time to start discipling is today, 1st May 2022. It's, it doesn't help if we, um, you know, go out from here and say, oh, well, hence he had a big uh, shout at us this morning. We'll sit back and uh, wait for the next sermon to come. That doesn't help, really. And it's not the function of a sermon. A sermon always encourages us to do, to follow up, 
to join in and do that work of discipling. So the best time is starting, start discipling now. Just listening to a sermon on Sunday can never substitute for the spiritual charge that occurs in a discipling relationship. Getting close to one another person means you will be taking risks. Yes. But they will be worth in when you sense the wonder of the multiplication process, the sense of satisfaction that God has used you to change one person who changed another, who changed another, who changed another, and changed another, and so on. That's exactly the process that you have seen on that little um, chart that uh, we saw re- uh, just now. This, thus, I want to issue a challenge, if I may, if you can still listen listen to my strong voice. Um, I hope you're still uh, with me. Start making disciples today, please. Don't put it to the long run. It's today. And please put it in Grace Church. Don't push it to other churches. Do it here. Discipleship. Are you presently involved in discipling relationships? I ask you and I want to challenge you. What is keeping you from entering one? Sometimes we think, how could I help anyone else in their Christian life? I'm having enough trouble as it is. Take comfort. The best disciples are not perfect Christians. You're waiting in vain to get perfect. They all need forgiveness. All of them. There's no exception. So the best disciples are not perfect Christians. Just be caring and authentic to take some initiative. How about beginning by imagining your neighborhood church, your workplace as if it were Corinth, like Paul, you have just arrived. You want to start your ministry here by discipling someone, but who? Look for someone like Aquila and Priscilla, someone with a background similar to yours, with similar likes and dislikes, someone, well, a lot of us have Facebook, so look at those that like you and put likes on. That's a start. That can be a start. Someone with whom you can work well, someone who is interested in following the Lord. Let me ask you, and I'm getting very personal because it is deep down in my heart, a big wish in my heart, who is your Aquila or Priscilla? Who is your Aquila or Priscilla? How can you associate more closely with this person? How can you build companionship and vulnerability before the training begins? When it is time to begin training, do not be intimidated. Start simply. Read a book 
of the Bible uh, together. May you maybe you start um, in my time. It was said start with the Gospel of John, just sharing, sitting down and reading. I think if I look back in church history here in Austria, that's what the younger Christians really did. They just read the Bible. That's all they did. There wasn't much uh, theological literature in that time, about 40 or 50 years ago. There wasn't much there, so they could not get orientation by kind of theological literature, but they just sit down, and I'm hearing that quite often. I look back when we prayed for Austria, when we started our mission ministry with DMG, I often heard of Austrians, and I was amazed to hear that. They just sit down and read the Bible. That's all they did. Can you imagine? The Word of God is a powerful lie, and I tell you, let it out. Let it out. This powerful lion. Start simply remembering your friend belongs to God. He must know that you believe in him and that you have confidence in him. Do not allow him to become dependent, to become dependent on you. You are not the big name. Allow him the freedom to fail, even fail. Don't point fingers, you're a failure. That you lose him. Teach him how to evaluate men and seek to instill confidence. When the person you are discipling has demonstrated the ability to train somewhere else, your job is through. Now you can begin with someone else. It is simplest form. This is discipleship. That's exactly how it is. And don't you think you can start with it now? I think so. You know, don't wait for the time to come. It won't help. Make excuses. Others can do. You and me can do exactly that kind of work. Um, would you be willing to try. Well, our most eager and probably most overlooked dis disciples are, of course, are also our children. Whether you are a parent or grandparent, as we are aunt, uncle, or friend, the children in your life took to you or they look at you as a model. Have you ever considered discipling them? How would Looking at the children in your life as disciples change your perspective towards them. What would be different about the time you spend with them? The young ones around you watch closely and copy what they see. How could you use that natural tendency as a discipling tool? Um, so I want to finish this morning. Explore some ways now. Think about it. How you can teach spiritual values not only to your children, to your friend, to your neighbor, to whom you relate to. And please, my brothers and sisters, don't wait any longer. Do it now. May you? 
May I encourage you to do it now and start with it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, power and majesty belongs to you. You are the one that has created the universe. Your wisdom, it's beyond men can cope with. Thank you that you know us in our hearts and minds and spirit. Yes, it's true. It's too much for us. But thank you that we can entrust our lives and the lives of our dear ones, our neighbor, friend, our children and grandchildren, that we can entrust them to you and follow in your footsteps so that they also become disciples of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your patience with us and that we can entrust ourselves in your good hands, in the hands of the great and true shepherd of our souls, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are with us as we think about be becoming a disciple and a disciple list that disciples others. Help us to think about it of how we can proceed from here, from Sunday 1st of May 2022. Help us and strengthen us. Give us the vision beyond Vienna, beyond Austria, to the ends of the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a God who loves us, who cares for us, who is with us till our time is finished. We thank you for that very hope in our lives, that we will see you face to face, and we are excited about it, to take others with us into the very place of heaven. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for talking to our heart and minds. And thank you for this day of yours, for we glorify your name the name of Almighty Lord Jesus. Amen.